Let us hold to God's unchanging hands. Amen. Amen. The scripture reading will come from Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. We're going to go down to verse 34. If you're able to stand in front of God's word, you may do so. Daniel chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse 34. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Daniel chapter 4. Amen. Daniel chapter 4. You go to Psalms, just keep on turning over. Proverbs, you know, just keep on going. Isaiah, just keep on going. Just keep on going. You're going to hit Daniel. <laughs> Daniel chapter 4, verse 34. And it reads, After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned, and I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, What do you mean by doing these things? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the King of Heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Amen. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Lord, our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, Heavenly Father. While we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are the one the ancient one, Heavenly Father. You are the one that existed before all things were created, Heavenly Father. And there is no other name under heaven whereby man must be saved but our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son that you sent here to save mankind, Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you, Lord. Just thank you for another day, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the time you touched us in awakening this morning. Allow us to make it here to the house of worship one more time, Lord. We, we thank you, Lord, for family, Lord. We thank you for friends, Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you for fellowship with one another, Heavenly Father. Father, let us honor you with what we say, with what we do, and how we live. Let us represent you and not ourselves, Heavenly Father. Father, please bless, Lord, every song that will be sung and every prayer that will be prayed. Please bless the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going across all across the land, Father, and it changes us. From the inside out, Heavenly Father. Father, help us to right now forget about ourselves. Forget about whatever's going on in our lives. Lord, let us worship you in truth and in spirit, Heavenly Father. Sometimes the mind, Lord, it struggles, Lord. Sometimes the mind strays, Heavenly Father. But through it all, Lord, you keep us, Heavenly Father, by your grace and by your mercy. And we thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify you, Lord. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Amen.
glory, hallelujah. Our God is worthy to be praised. Let us pray. Mighty God, we're just grateful that you are worthy, that you are exalted, that you are God all by yourself. Father, the heavens and the earth declare of your glory. Father, we gather together to worship and to bless your holy name. For you have been so good to us. Your love never fails. Your grace is sufficient. Your mercy is everlasting. Lord, we are desperate to hear a word from you. Speak now, Lord, for your servants are listening. Help us, O oh God, to hear a word from you that we might see Jesus. That we have your word in our heart. That we might not sin against you. Speak, Lord. Have that own way, Lord, we pray. Amen. Our text again in the Old Testament, uh, Daniel, uh, fourth chapter, Pastor Price lifted up verses 34 uh, through 37 already uh, in our hearing. And as we meditate on this text, we're going to talk about how we want to give God the glory. Can you help me tell your neighbor, give God the glory? And our preface is that how we want to give God the glory and challenge the negative thinking. Oftentimes, we allow the negative to become so large that we don't think about what can be done. We think about what can't be done. We focus on the negative so much that it impacts us and paralyzes us that we don't move forward and do what we could have done because we thought it could not be done. This text we're going to look in this fourth chapter of Daniel, I wanted to, you to think about how we are in the fourth chapter. Uh, Daniel, we, this book is named after, is better known for interpreting the dream of a King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, but first, Daniel is known and identified because him and a lot of other Jews were taken captivity because they were young, handsome, and smart. And other ones that rise up with him are his three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, Daniel stayed faithful in his captivity that they did not eat the food the king gave them as prisoners. Uh, they fasted, hence where we get the term a Daniel fast, that they stayed to their Jewish diet. And they became healthier and stronger while others became weak. And because of their faithfulness to God, God blessed them that they were able to rise within their ranks. Then we look in the second chapter of Daniel, we see the him interpreting the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is very installed about him, how he was the only one able to interpret the dream out of everybody else he had within his kingdom. Again, Daniel is elevated and now in another part of the kingdom, having power and authority to rule with the king's authority. But yet still in the same area, we look in that uh, third chapter, uh, Daniel has his three Hebrew boys, some of us might know them as the hot boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into the fiery furnace. After the king makes a statue, what was interpreted in the dream, and demanded people to worship this statue. I'm saying all of that because now we're coming to the fourth chapter, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we know made it through the fiery furnace. Uh, they, too, are now elevated. This is now some 20 years later. Towards the end of the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar, we're picking it up here in the fourth chapter. 
Nebuchadnezzar, you're not aware, he's the one that took Israel captive, destroyed their temple, and he's the one that caused a whole lot of stuff, taking their gold, taking their statues out of their temple, and bringing it in with all his gods, as shown as him as a conqueror. Let me put this in the backdrop that Nebuchadnezzar believes himself to be a god himself. He believes himself to be one of sovereign and power and authority all by himself. I'm saying that because that's what he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, what God can save you from my hand when he put them in the fiery furnace? And then he was sat back down when he found out that there was a God that could step in. He realized, oh, your God is a real God. But now we find again, sometimes how it is in life, that sometimes we forget our lessons best learned. And so now he's feeling himself again. He's having his kingdom reign. He's feeling pretty good about himself. When you look in with me, Daniel, the fourth chapter, y'all with me there, the first verse. It says, the king Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. What I want to highlight here is that now Nebuchadnezzar's friends are not near him. So he needs somebody to say, I had another dream. Who is out there that can tell me what this dream is? And notice the great detail he goes into expressing what happens in this dream. Let me lift up a few verses for us. Right here it says, Peace and prosperity to you. Verse 2, I want you all to know about the miraculous signs of wonders the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs and how powerful his wonders. His kingdom will last forever. His rule through all generations. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. But one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So I issued an order calling in all the wise men in Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, the fortune-tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Belteshazzar after my God and the spirit of the holy gods in him. I said to him, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. So you see here, he's like, all right, everybody's going to tell me, but Daniel, you've you, you, you been coming out good for me. You've been telling me everything that I, I need to know. Everybody else was not able, but now you tell me what this means. So now we look at verses 10. He's expressing the dream unto him. And then I want to highlight verse 17 in chapter 4. It says, for this has been decreed by the messenger. It is commanded by the Holy One so that everyone may know that the most High rules over the kingdom of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people. I want to highlight that because that's not, that is repeated more than once. When you see something in the text that's repeated more than once, it means you might want to take note of why that's there in the text. And then verse 18, Best of sorrow, that was the dream that I, King because I had. Now tell me. What it means for none of the wise men of my kingdom can do so, but you can tell me because the spirit of the holy God is in you. Now we're getting close to our, our text that was read today. Look at verse 19. Y'all with me? Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, 
were overcome for a time frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Thus Tsar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. But Tsar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in the dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat, while the wild animals lived in the shade and the birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, it is you. For you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to the heaven, and your rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. Better understand of seven years. This is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord the King. You will be driven from human society and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow. You will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. Does that sound familiar? That was in the dream. And now the dream being interpreted to him saying that you don't catch on. You won't find out one way or another that the most high rules and he can give and take from whoever he wants. Verse 20 says, but the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. King, verse 27. Look closely here. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop Sin and do what is right. Break from your wicked paths and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. So I want to give us that backdrop and, and we look into this that he's telling him this tree is going to be you. What I want to highlight again about this text about give God the glory is one that King Nebuchadnezzar Things he did it all by himself. Look at the words that he talks about. How sovereign I am. How great I am. I was, you know, and he was saying, I'm chilling in my palace. <laughs> how great it is. And I had this dream that frightened me. So y'all come and tell me, you know, what, what is going on. And I want to talk about, again, as we talk about mental health, how we want to think positive and not negative. One way to think positive is to give God the glory. One way to think positive is that when I can stop thinking about myself and think about what God can do, I feel a little bit better because I realize what I cannot do. But I know what God can do. When we talk about health, oftentimes we don't talk about mental health, but our mental health is a part of us being healthy and sound. Mental health includes our mental, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make healthy choices. 
Think about when someone's under stress, how we call it stress eating. Oftentimes it's not healthy. See the correlation? How oftentimes when we're stressed out and we're not in our best state of mind, we're not doing the healthy things for our body. Mental health is important at every stage of life from our childhood to adolescence throughout adulthood. The health of our mental health impacts our daily life. The better our mental health is, the better our judgment will be. Making sound and reasonable judgment is reflective of good mental health. Sanity and, reason, and being reasonable and having rational behavior is one thing that we have to confine because everybody does not believe the same thing. So what might be rational in one state may not be rational in another state because context matters. Therefore, for the context of what makes sanity and what makes rational, what makes moral, and what makes ethical decisions is based on the Word of God. When we are using the Word as our God and our measurement, then we have a better, a, a, a better chance and opportunity to do what is right because what? God is good. And if I want to do what is good, well, let me see what the good Father says. The good Father gives us instructions to tell us how to live. Notice again in verse 27, Nebuchadnezzar is being warned by his, his servant Daniel saying, Hey, that's going to be you if you don't what? Stop sinning. He is saying that if you don't stop breaking the laws and offending our God, you're going to suffer this punishment. Notice what else he said. He says, stop sinning and do what is right. Do what is good. Do what is just. And when we understand, if I do what God calls me to do, what's the problem? When we look at the fruits of the Spirit, right, at the end of it, it said, against such things, there is no law. I've yet been to a place where it says love is not allowed. Think about that for a moment, right? So if love is always welcome, why don't we have more love? That means some of us need to stop sinning. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and let love win out. See, God has always been good and what he's Telling us what to do is good for us. It's good for our health. So I encourage us to live to glorify the Lord and turn from a life of sin. When we look at our text, we see that that tree that represents King Nebuchadnezzar is, is, is very poignant in the ancient Near East. That oftentimes they depicted a tree uh, to represent a God and represent a kingdom. And the roots and the thicks will go in. So the tree will be in the roots representing its, its grounding. And then it will reach up towards the heavens. And notice how the messenger came down from the tree, right? So it's showing the connection here. Say, I'm going to speak in language you're going to get, King Nebuchadnezzar. The messenger coming down. But notice the messenger comes down, so I'm going to tear it down. And this is also kind of parallel to the Babel, Tower of Babel. When they started all coming together, feeling all about themselves. The messenger came down and said, y'all need to tear this down. <laughs> And it just came to this first. So oftentimes we need to make sure that we don't build ourselves up higher than we should. We need to look for warnings. Warnings that you might be too good for your own good. The benefit of this is that it's not too late to change. Notice that King had a chance to change. Daniel encouraged him, hey, change. Here's your opportunity to change. Don't keep on going in the wrong direction. It's time to change. And when we understand that it's time to change, let us 
Be obedient to God. Let us fall down and humble ourselves and repent to God. Look for the warnings in your life. Too many times we might be left alone without someone to hold us accountable, someone checking us, someone encouraging us, someone able to speak truth to us that we will keep on heading in the wrong direction. But Daniel showed up at the right moment at the right time saying, now's the time for you to stop sinning. Do what is right. And also he goes on and says, and, and he says, what? Be merciful to the poor. And he says, perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Look for the knowing signs. Once one is trying to look for is that it's hard for you to receive instruction. When you know it all, when someone can't teach you anything, you are headed in the wrong direction. When you cannot be corrected and all of a sudden it becomes an attack towards you, you are headed in the wrong direction. We are like that because we've been so accustomed to doing it all by ourselves that nobody corrected us before. So how dare you? Come on, I've made it this far by myself. I, I, I don't need you. But how true it is right in life that we realize we didn't make it all here by ourselves. It sometimes looks that way. But yet when we make it ourselves, we realize that I had some friends, I had some people that helped me out to make it along the way. So one warning sign I look for is that if you feel it, people can't tell you anything, you're heading in the wrong direction. Watch out. One thing also to look for is that you, can, you already know everything, and also they cannot do it without you. When you think everything you do is based off you, you're not going to make it. There's a poem I'm going to read to us called The Indispensable Man. Sometime when you're feeling important. Sometime when your ego is in bloom. Sometime when you take it for granted. You're, best, you're the best qualified in the room. Sometime when you feel that you're going will leave an unfillable hole. Just follow these simple instructions and see how the humble your soul. Take a bucket and fill it with water. Put your hand in it up to the wrist. Pull it out and the hole that is remaining is a measure how much you'll be missed. You can splash all you wish when you enter. You may stir up the water galore, but stop and you'll find that in no time it looks like the same as before. The moral of this quaint example is to do just the best that you can be proud of yourself, but remember, there's no indispensable man. When we understand that we're not as big as we think we are, we're not all that in a bag of chips, we start realizing that, you know what, I need you. I need good people around me that I realize I'm not as important as I think I am. I may be important, but I'm not as important. One thing I'm going to encourage you that you know, that... Uh, many of us have favorite athletes, have favorite stars, and watch favorite movies, and some of those actors and some of those players are not playing, but the sport's still going. The movies are still going on. When would they realize life still goes on? And when we understand that we think the world's going to stop, if something happens to us. No, the world's going to keep on spinning. The world's only going to stop for Jesus. Come on, somebody. And you're not him. <laughs> and so we understand that God wants us to stay humble. To lower ourselves and to exalt Him. One way to fight these immoral characteristics is to stay humble and follow the laws and the commandments of the Lord. The Lord shows us how to be humble by serving Him. Humility is a strength and not a weakness. Oftentimes we tell somebody being humble is being weak. But yet it takes strength to be humble. 
When somebody calls you a name because you won't fight them and you walk away, I tell you, you're the one who's stronger. Because you kept your tongue quiet. You turned your head away and you walked away and it still calls you names outside of the name you were given by your parents. But yet, you understand, you can hold your head up high knowing that I'm doing the right thing. We see, when we are humble, we don't have to build ourselves up. You're already building yourself up. Because God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. God shows us what humility looks like in Psalm 138. It says, though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Be careful that you don't get so caught up that you forget to give glory to God and magnify him for everything that gives. When people bless you and encourage you, let them know that it had not been by the grace of the Lord. Right? Yeah, yeah, you might have been able to pass that test. Yes, you might have filled out that application, got that job, but don't forget to thank the Lord for bless you to be in this space in the position that you're in. God, I know you didn't call that resume when you were sick in the hospital. Y'all quiet on me. I know you called on the name of the Lord as able to do something about something. And we understand that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. It lets us know that humility is attractive and pride is unattractive. Therefore, I want to be attracted towards God. I must give him the glory. And when I give him the glory, I realize it's not about me. And one way I know it's not about me helps me realize that I need to live for him. Daniel showed it never get out of serve with humility. As a youth, he obeyed his God and trusted his God, knowing that it might put him in danger. You, you go to the ninth chapter, that's when Daniel's in the lion's den, but beforehand, Daniel already been through so much already. Him and his three Hebrew boys right in here. So here's the situation that you must understand. That when you stand up for God, does not mean people will not stand against you. You still just got to stand for God. Give God the glory. Daniel warns the king. There might be somebody warning you. Please accept my advice. Stop sinning. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Do what is right. New Living Translation puts it this way. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. One way we give God the glory is when we stop sinning. It's clear as that. And to basically, what he's saying here is what we ought to repent, uh, to turn away. Another way he has is to break, that we need to put a stop, we need to put a break, we need to end it and say, Lord, I'm going to live for you. May the words of my mouth and my meditation of my heart be accepted, Lord, in thy sight, for you are my rock and my redeemer. When I'm going to have your word hidden in my heart that I might not sin against, and that's me trying, saying, Lord, I'm trying to do what is right. Because we understand, as Paul points out, that when I want to do good, evil is always right there. But glory be to God <laughs> that I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's why he goes on in Romans 8, chapter said, Therefore there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When you can stop from sinning and repent and come to God, knowing that we want to not be guilty and feeling shame, having all of that sin, but yet you want to feel joy and feel in peace by doing what is right. So know what is good and do what is good. That brings glory unto God. When we sin, we feel guilty, and we feel that negative part, that, and that negative feeling, and that's the conviction of our consciousness, reminds us those like, what you did was wrong, and we don't like that feeling. So you don't want to feel that feeling, what do you need to do? Give glory to God. Repent. Confess of your sins. Have a made-up mind to obey the Lord. 
Daniel warns him, King, what you should do is stop sinning, do what is right, be kind to the poor, and perhaps God might bless you and prosper you. But yet you need to first turn to God. Know what is right. How do I know what is right? I got to study so myself approved. I got to be in the word of God and allow the God to shine upon me my sins and realize pride can blind me, realize that my sin can blind me. The enemy wants to put a veil upon our eyes and stop us from seeing what is righteous or what is good. Do not get caught up thinking that you are untouchable. It's going to lead to your downfall. And what we find out after the warning, King Nebuchadnezzar did not listen. Verse 28. But all these things had happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with a wild animal. You will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of learn the most High rules over the kingdom of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. Verse 33, y'all see that there? The same hour. The judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow and was drenched with dew of heaven. He lived his way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like birds' claws. You see, while the words were still in his mouth, God spoke to him and said, now judgment has come. Notice they did not happen right away. Notice it took some time, right? The text tells us some 12 months later. <laughs> so here's the beautiful thing about our God and his grace, that he gives us time to get it right. But Nebuchadnezzar realized some time has passed. Maybe everything's all right. Look what I have done. kind of reminds me of the parable of Jesus about the farm and the bigger barns. I've had so much. Look what I got. You fool. This day you die. Be careful about what you think you have that is untouchable. God can clearly take away. And notice again he says that you will stay this way until you learn that the Most High what? Rules over the kingdoms of the, of the worlds and gives them to anyone he chooses. So Pastor Price read that part of when he came back to his senses. Notice when he was saying, his sanity was reflected on him worshiping God. So that's why I'm telling you to give God the glory. God will help you to keep your mind. When I keep my mind stayed on Jesus, he will keep you in perfect peace. Those who keep their mind stayed on him. When Sandy returned to him, notice he started worshiping God. Y'all see that there? When my Sandy returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisor, my noble, sought me out, and I was restored and as head of my kingdom with heaven, even greater honor than before. Now I never going to praise, and he says, now I. 
praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. And all his acts are just and true. And he is able to humble the proud. One thing to help us to not face humiliation is to give God exaltation. One thing to help us not to get so low is for us to start low and lift him up. Notice what happened to the king once he came back to his mind. Notice something that actually happened here in the text. I was found. Y'all see that? I was found. My people found me. And they restored me and gave back what I had and more. Now, this reminds me of some of the parables Jesus told. Parable about the prodigal son. Leaving his daddy, not following instructions. Lost his mind. The Bible says when he came, when he came to his senses, he remembered everything I had is in my father's house is what I need. And notice when he came back, he was received and brought back and celebrated. What I want to encourage you here is that maybe you're feeling you are in a space of darkness, in a space in the wheel, and feeling all by yourself. But yet, if you can come to your senses and realize that God is God, that he is sovereign. And as Job said, the Lord give it and the Lord take it away. Well, blessed be the name of the Lord. If you can realize that he is exalted and he is God of most high and that he gives grace to the humble, well, humble yourself and receive his grace. Do not make yourself bigger than you need to be, but make yourself smaller as you need to be. Realize that there's no God bigger. How great is our God. That he is mighty and able to do exceedingly above beyond what we can ask or think or even imagine. When we give God the glory, no longer am I thinking about what I can't do, but I think what I can do with God. For with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so when we understand that God wants to restore us back into his presence, we need to realize that it is sin that's hindering us from receiving everything that God has for us. The text tells us that he had a chance to not happen to him, but it happened to him. The warning came. I want you to understand the Bible gives us a warning. Jesus is coming back again. There's going to be a judgment. There's going to be a heaven and a hell. And some people that don't believe that, that's fine. But here, as you know, the truth remains the same. <laughs> you, you can see a brick wall, tell somebody it's not a brick wall, run against it. You're going to find out it's a brick wall. <laughs> Notice three times it says, you're going to find out, I am the most high. I am in charge. And I can take whatever I want to take. And I can restore whoever I want to restore. I want to encourage you to know that you give God the glory, you realize you don't have to worry about what he's going to take or what he's going to give. Because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, of whom so believers and not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Notice that God wants us to have a better life in his presence. So stop trying to live your best life here. When this is all going to pass away. And even what you do have can be taken away. We've seen fires, we've seen floods, we've seen hurricanes. We've seen everything happen. No matter how hard you work, it can't be taken away. But one thing that can't be taken away is our salvation. All who call on the Lord shall be saved. Nothing is separated from the love of God. So I encourage you to, to be healthy and just think about no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to give God the glory. For he is worthy to be praised. Let us pray.
Mighty God, we just thank you that you are God all by yourself. And you receive all the glory, all the meaning, all power belongs to you. Help us, oh God, to walk with a healthier mind and realize, God, that if you keep our mind fixed on you, we won't get sidetracked and let, up, and let away from all these glitters and all these other things that the earth wants to put upon us. But Lord, let us fill ourselves with your love, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your gentleness, your self-control, your forgiveness, your patience. Help us, oh God, that we can walk with our head lifted up no matter how beaten down we may feel. To know that our hope rests in you. And we want to worship. We want to bless you no matter what we're going through. Knowing that you are worthy to be praised. Lord, there might be someone who does not know Jesus. As the Lord said, Lord, I pray they can confess with their mouth. And believe in their heart is Christ the Lord. And they too shall be saved. Lord, I pray you help them find a Bible-believing, Bible-treating church. Where they can grow and mature and be baptized in fellowship with the communion of the saints. And serve a community together. Now we thank you, Almighty God. Jesus Christ, and Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 As we prepare to give God his tithes and our offering, uh, we want to encourage you to, those who are online, you're able to give through our uh, text to give, and you can download our app, and all those who are here present, prepare to walk around and share your offering, and also, if you decided today you're looking for a church home, uh, and you want to join this place, we welcome as we go around for offering, walk on up around, amen, and maybe talk to one another. The deacons and the ministers will be happy to get you information and fellowship and we can disciple you in this place. Let us pray as we pray to give God his tithes and our offering. Uh, Father, we freely give back to you what already belongs to you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give. Lord, we ask you to bless those who have desire to give and get heaven now. Uh, we thank you, Lord, you're able to supply all our needs. So, Father, move in this place, oh God. So, bless what is given. Uh, bless those who have desire to give, Lord, and may be multiplied and increased for the building of your kingdom. Jesus Christ, then, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, in church of the ushers and the deacons, and also this is Second Sunday. Uh, not the usher board will be gathering, and so you're welcome. We want to give you an offering for you're not the usher board uh, to be given. Uh, we appreciate that as well.
Lord today. A few announcements for the weeks we to come. We're going to look forward to going to worship with Springfield Zion Baptist Church with Pastor Joshua West's anniversary this afternoon. Uh, for those who are willing to travel with us, we're looking to meet, uh, to leave here, depart from 1 p.m. Those who are driving with the van, um, they're looking to serve us a meal around 2, and then our the worship service will be at 3.30 p.m. this afternoon. Uh, so we'll be the address there in St. Louis, Zion Baptist, Springs, uh, Zion Baptist in Springfield. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, East St. Louis is a uh, street address, I'm sorry. But we're going to Springfield. I'm positive. <laughs> going to Springfield. And then um, also, too, we have our church cookout coming up. And so we're looking on June 24th, uh, that Saturday, 12 to 3 p.m. Uh, there's going to be information coming out for our roles and responsibility for our ministry and leaders of those able to participate uh, of us coming back together again. And so we look forward for us to come out to have food, fun, and fellowship, and just sharing on our love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then also for this month of June and July, we're taking a Bible study break, so we won't have midweek Bible study, but we'll have opportunities to get together like our church cookout and some other opportunities are coming in, so be mindful of the information coming out for those days to come. All right. This last thing I was saying, there's a survey um, that is out. We've asked you to get those surveys from Chris Education and it's concerning Sunday School, and if you can fill those out, if there's some still might be out on the table, you need to fill those out and complete those and turn them into an Indian usher or Christian education or Sunday school teacher. We'll make sure we get in the right place to document uh, the information we're looking for. Amen? Amen. Oh, yeah, there's no Sunday school today as we're getting ready to go down to Springfield. Amen. And then next Sunday we'll have it uh, canceled as well. We we'll recognize our graduates uh, here on Thursday, Sunday, and Father's Day. Amen. Amen. Let us prepare for the benediction.
church about something. Give God the glory. Give God the glory.